Level up your LA Kings experience with the new Vivid Seats Elite Seats. All the on-ice Kings action with even more exclusive access. Enjoy great seats to the game along with premier dining inside the Lexus Club with all-you-can-eat food and non-alcoholic beverages. Plus, get a free Team LA Kings item and parking with your purchase. Score your Vivid Seats Elite Seats tickets today and earn rewards on each purchase from the only ticket company that rewards you for buying. Experience it live with Vivid Seats, the official partner of the LA Kings. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I'm Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Earlier this week, I accompanied the team to San Jose, where Zach Dooley and I got a chance to sit down with defenseman Jordan Spence. After you hear that conversation, I'm joined again by Eric Thompson, Chief Marketing Officer for Mercury Insurance. There's a new augmented reality contest happening at Crypto.com Arena every Kings game, which will give you a chance to win a prize package that includes jerseys, tickets, and more. And of course, I have to remind you that you can listen to replays of Kings Talk, the LA Kings postgame show, hosted by yours truly on the LA Kings Insider Audio podcast feed, and keep up with the Ontario Rain on the Rain Check podcast feed. That is the official podcast of the Ontario Reign. All that and more at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining us now, courtesy of Vivid Seats, defenseman number 21 from your LA Kings, Jordan Spence. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And featuring Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Dules? Jesse, I love that intro. Vivid Seats. <laughs> Vivid Welcome seats. to the podcast. Uh, Jordan, first question for you. Uh, on any team you've ever been on at any level of hockey, have you done gift exchanges around the holidays? Um, would Secret Santa count? Sure. Yeah. Then yes, I have. Have you ever regifted something that you got in one of those exchanges to another teammate? No, I no, I haven't actually. Right. That's kind of funny if I did that. <laughs> so we want to ask you a little bit about where you're from, but I'm not going to ask you about Australia because it's beaten into the ground at this point. Um, but you moved to Cornwall, Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like have a lot of pride in being from the Maritimes or carry that with you. But recently, the QMJHL changed what the M stands for. It's no longer the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. It's now the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about uh, the Maritimes coming up in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. I had, I had no clue until now that uh, they changed it. But, you know, obviously, it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in the Maritimes anyways. So um, I think it was bound to happen. And it's pretty cool that... Uh, they changed the name to, to that. The only like big name maritime people I know are Doug McLean because I used to listen to <laughs> to him on the radio out of Toronto there, and uh, classified uh, hip hop artist <laughs> out of uh, the Maritimes. I'm not you, judging by the look on your face. You have no idea. Who I have no. That's idea. fine. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> That's you guys ever seen Superbad? Yeah, yeah, I have. Becca from Superbad, the girl Michael Sarah is interested in, is uh-huh. from Prince Edward Island, according to Wikipedia. Oh, wow. And that was the only person I knew from Prince Edward Island that didn't play in the NHL. Yeah. Oh, geez. I had no clue about that. And just to go full circle, Superbad was filmed in El Segundo. Hey. The high school is El Segundo High School. So that's that's full circle. Uh, So, Jordan, now I'm just going to build you up for a second here. I've Mm -hmm. talked about you in recent years. Once you were drafted and came into the Kings system, I was always confident that you were going to make it based on what I called the power of your story. Because mm-hmm. every time I'd look at your stats or your career, it would be like, oh, well, he didn't get drafted into the the uh, juniors, but then he winds up winning defenseman of the year, rookie of the year, 
at almost every level you you come to then you go to the ahl and it's like well everything we were told was you were going to split time to start the season you might not get in every game you wind up not only getting called up and playing more than 20 games with the NA, at the nhl level in the playoffs but you also get named to the all-star team where does that unrelenting drive come from like has that been with you everywhere you've gone yeah i mean obviously i think um you know you a lot of players faces adversity and and for me personally i think um the biggest thing that hit me was probably not get, being drafted in the, in the queue uh my first year i think uh you know I, I don't think i had a terrible year or anything but you know I, I i thought i had a good year um and then you know i didn't get drafted that year and that kind of motivated me to kind of just prove everyone wrong that you know i can play in the major junior major junior hockey league and and um, to prove everyone that uh, that I can play that league and then kind of keep it going from there. I think uh, that's kind of like the motivation that probably started. It was uh, when I was 16 years old and kind of wanted to keep proving people wrong, um, especially just with me being kind of undersized, uh, being a defenseman and if I can adapt to the league and all that, all those things. So I think for me, that's that's kind of where it started. Zach, I, remind me, I think you were there when we talked to uh, Blake Lazat about playing with a chip on his shoulder. And he said he doesn't consider it a chip on his shoulder because he likes it when people underestimate him. He likes the opportunity to prove people wrong. Is that something that you identify with? Yeah, I think I totally agree with what uh, Lizzo said. Um, you know, a, a lot of people have doubts. A lot of people have their opinions. So just kind of proving them wrong and, um, you know, just doing what you can on the ice and, um, them realizing that uh, you know you can play in the league, it's 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 pretty cool, and you know it, it motivates me as well. And then obviously, I think Lizzo it does with Lizzo too. You were traded at the end of your junior career uh, from Moncton to I'm not going to butcher the name of the team in Quebec, uh, Valdor. <laughs> Valdor. Right, yeah. I guess I won't butcher it. Um, what's it like being traded at jun at in juniors? I mean, it was, it was a pretty weird process because I was I was at the I was uh I was actually a world juniors at, at the time and um you know just I I didn't know what was going on but um they just called my GM with Moncton called me and they're like um Valdor really wants you and they want to they want to make a push um so they, they're wondering if you know if they're gonna if if you want to go there and I was like 100% because uh one of my teammates uh was uh, Jacob Peltier, and he he got traded from Moncton to Val d'Or, and you know obviously I was with him in World Juniors, and um, you know that's kind of how the process went was um, getting the call during the World Juniors, and then obviously it's a two two big <laughs> big difference uh, cities, uh, you know Moncton's the Maritimes, and then you go to Val d'Or, it's just north of Quebec, uh, no one really speaks English, uh, all of our team spoke French. There's only like three guys that spoke English. And so, you know, it was a pretty cool experience. And obviously, uh, you know, we didn't win, but um, it was a it was a cool experience for me to go there and kind of learn a little bit of French as well, actually. I tapped you in, Zach, but I'm going to cut you off. Apologies. Tap me back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, you only spoke English for the first time, I think, when you were 13, if I read that correctly. Yeah. I mean, I, I could only say a couple words, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, 12, 13 around there. But listening to you speak, I would never believe that it wasn't your first language. So from what I understand, you're trilingual, but what language do you dream in? Um, 
I think at the time when I was younger, I, I was dreaming in Japanese, but uh, now it's it's English. Really? Yeah. Is there like a threshold that crosses where you just put one behind and, and the other <laughs> language sort of slips in there? No. I, like, it doesn't really. I think um, right when I was trying to learn English, that, that was kind of like happening all the time. But um, now I just, I don't really use, like, I don't really speak Japanese anymore. Like, the only time I speak is if I talk to my mom. And that's that's pretty much the only time, really. And then obviously I... I, uh, I have families in Japan, so um, if I call them, obviously I, I speak Japanese with them. All right, tapping you back in. Tapping Sorry back about that. When you got traded, it was the COVID year, right? Yeah. How difficult was it to integrate into a new group with all of that going on, plus the fact that you were working with three guys who really spoke English? Yeah, you know, I think we, we right when I when I uh, went to Valdor, um, you know, we would go to different places, and we, we weren't really allowed to do anything at all, go like like. The only time that we could really hang out was uh, it was really cold. It's really cold up there, so <laughs> we would uh, like our billet would have like a fish cabin, so they would, we would all meet up and kind of you know hang out and um, try to participate in anything. Just because uh, for me personally, I kind of had to get to know the guys um, as as much as I can. So. For me, I was just trying to do that, and I already knew a couple of guys just from playing against each other, uh, playing with them. Um, so I, it, it was difficult at first, but once you kind of got to know them better, and once I felt more, more and more comfortable and open with them, it was uh, it was an easy process. We got seven days in Quebec City coming up in the fall. So are you going to be leading the charge with speaking French in a city that I'm going to guess most of us will have some issues communicating in? No, I think if if you really need help, I think you should just go to Deneau go to Phil. and <laughs> Deneau and Dubois. But you know, I I, I can understand um, a fair bit, and I can I can speak a little bit as well. So I, obviously, it did work out when I went to Valdor. So you played in. Prince Edward Island, which is a, for those who don't know, a tiny island <laughs> province. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then to Moncton, which is a little bit bigger. Then to Val d'Or, which is in the north of Canada. Then Ontario, which is Southern California, but not LA. Mm-hmm. Did playing in all those different environments in such a short period of time help you make that transition to the NHL when you were called up sort of somewhat surprisingly? Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, um, you know, it's been, it's been a, Pretty cool process. Um, all the teams that I played, it's um, it's it's cool to see like where where I came from, especially playing in PEI, and then to Moncton, to Valdor, and to Ontario, to now. Um, you know, I think it did help me uh, with with my process, and um, yeah, it's obviously it's it's pretty cool to see that. Meant to slip this one in earlier when we were talking about uh, you know proving yourself, but you were on the Team Canada for the World Juniors, and a, a lot was made. I remember during that tournament that you were the only skater on the roster that hadn't been drafted in the first round. Was that something that motivated? Like, were you tired of people bringing it up, or was that a point of pride for you? Were you happy to have people know that, you, despite the low draft profile, whatever that's worth, that you were still there, still contributing? Yeah, I mean, I, I to be honest, I I had no clue until you know I made. I made the team uh, with Real Juniors, but you know it's, it's pretty cool. Like obviously for myself, my personal opinion, like I know, um, you know, I know what I can do on the ice, and I don't need people, um, you know, judging and 
saying all these things. So it's it obviously like after I made the team, it's like, oh, wow, like it, it is pretty cool that uh, I made the team and I, I was I was drafted in the fourth round. But at the end of the day, I think it's just how you perform on the ice and it doesn't really matter anymore of where, where you got drafted. You were the fourth round. Mikey Anderson was in the fourth round. Matt Roy was in the seventh round. That's three defensemen out of six that are all guys with that kind of story. Do you guys ever talk about that, of how the LA Kings just seem to find guys like you <laughs> later in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think we just joke around sometimes yeah. saying, that, oh, like, sleeper pick, blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's just, you know, I think it's a pretty cool development process. Um, you know, I think um, f- for us, like, getting drafted later in the rounds, you want to just work your way up and try to, you know, fight for your spot and fight for your position. So for me, that's that's that was my goal. And um, even starting in Ontario, um you know, I just wanted to do the best I can. And obviously I got the chance and an opportunity to um, get more ice time and um, and then just kind of work my way up. And obviously, you know, it's 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 pretty cool seeing that uh, Mikey and Roisy, they they established themselves in the NHL and and they're doing really well. And they're you know, they're doing well. England also, I think, or not England, excuse me, Gavrikov, a sixth-round pick, yeah. if I remember correctly. Oh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, England taken in the second round. Let's talk a bit about your partnership with him. We've talked to you, Zach and I have individually after practices, after games, but what about that partnership works for you? What is what is his game free you up to do on the ice? Yeah, I mean, obviously, he has seven fights in, what, 20, 20 some games. So, you know, you know that he's a... He's You're a, falling behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to keep up to him with that, but... Uh, you know, at first I, I I wanted to kinda, you know, see how he plays. Um, you know, what's what's he good at and what, what can I do to kinda help him and you know, I think we were we started to do that in Australia trip and kinda five like five or some games in. Um I was still trying to, you know, really um uh, figure out um how we can, you know, do well together. And then for for us I think communication's really key and obviously that's that's what everyone says, but for us, me and Ingy, like, uh, you know, he's a big, big shutdown defenseman. Um, so uh, for me, I think I just have to be comfortable and, um, yeah, just play well how I can play. And he, you know, I think we can adapt each other really well. And I think that's, like, the main thing is, uh, you know, he's he he takes care of me um, in the defensive zone. And, you know, I, I try to take care of him in the defensive zone. And uh, we, I think we've been doing really well, so. I just want to keep that going and, uh, you know, go from there. Was there a game where it felt like it just clicked? Because from the outside looking in, it was that game in Toronto where the both of you guys had a really nice night and it looked like you felt extremely comfortable and you felt really comfortable. And from there on, it's just been smooth. Yeah, like for me, I think I was still trying to figure out my game. And, you know, obviously, um, once I got more comfortable and confident, um, you know, he, he could see that, and I, that's why I think we kind of started to work well with each other. Um, you know, obviously he, you know, he's a veteran, and he, uh, when he tells me stuff, like, obviously I listen, and uh, I ask him for advice. So I think we work well with each other, even off the ice as well, and I think we're, we've got a good thing going on, so I just want to keep that going. When it comes to figuring out your own game, you were called up at the end of that two years ago, called up the – I think the entire blue line was in, out with an injury. Um, you stepped in and looked fine. You looked great. You played playoff games that mm-hmm. year. Was there a moment, whether it was during that season or last season or even this one, where you 
could confidently look at an upcoming opponent and say, oh, yeah, I can handle this. I'm an NHL player. This is not a problem. Yeah, you know, obviously two years ago, I, I wasn't really expecting to play any NHL games at all. But, uh, you know, luckily I had the chance and opportunity to kind of get a taste of what it is. And, um, you know, I think it was, you know, two years ago, I, I, I kind of was like, okay, like I can keep up in this league and I can I can do well. But I think this year is the, the year where I was where I'm more comfortable and obviously confident. So for me, I was just like, okay, like I can play in this league and I can be, um, you know, productive and, um, I'm, you know, just, I don't know, just like being like, okay, like I can keep up and, um, that's, that's how I feel right now. And, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. Last one from me. Um, I have never once seen you interviewed, and I'm not fishing for this at the mm -hmm. end of this, but I've never once seen you interviewed one-on-one -on -one where you didn't thank the person at the end of the interview for talking to you. Where does, I mean, that's, it's an, it's, <clears throat> the reason I bring it up is that from, from this side of the table, it's rare that a player appreciates the job that we do, much less goes out of their way to, to acknowledge it, mm -hmm. remembers names, everything. So like, where does that come from? is that a family thing is that a did you learn that in Moncton like where does that come from I think uh I learned like the respect um in Japan I that's like a biggest thing the, the biggest thing in Japan is you know being respectful to others and you know it was funny because um after after every game um you probably saw a video from before but after every game we go to the, we look at the fans and we we bow at them and then we look at the the coaches and we bow at them and I think just like the little things that we, uh, I did uh, in Japan just kind of correlates to what I do now is just being respectful. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think you got to be respectful. You got to be optimistic. So I think um, that's kind of where I kind of got it from. And, um, yeah. Well, you were already a lot of fun to root for. That makes it that much easier. Jordan Spence, thank you for your time. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Joining me again today, Eric Thompson from Mercury Insurance. How are you doing today, Eric? Doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. We spoke, uh, feels like a few months ago now, about some of the initiatives that Mercury was rolling out uh, in the partnership with the Kings. And one of them, I got to admit, I was really excited about, and uh, and I'm even more excited about it now, and it's Where's Bailey? And it's a sort of uh, AR um, scavenger hunt, I guess would be the right word to use, Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to describe it. And it's it's pretty cool, I have to say. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I think the fans are gonna love it. And you're exactly right. It's uh we've created this fanciful version of LA um with these different landmarks, uh, kind of iconic LA spots. And Bailey is going to be hiding somewhere in LA and fans get the chance to to search for him and and win prizes. Now, is he, how often is this, uh, this, I guess it's not a scavenger hunt because you're not collecting different. It's more like a where's, uh, a Bailey. Uh, well, that's exactly what it's called, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> I was trying to avoid using the word where's Waldo. I don't know how, uh, how proprietary <laughs> that name is, but, but how often does it reset? How many times, uh, can people play this game? So every, every home game, uh, we're going to allow fans to, to play the game. And each time it's going to be different. Bailey's got different hiding spots um, for different games. So if you go to one game and you find Bailey, he may be in the Ferris wheel. 
uh, on Santa Monica Pier. And another time, you know, the next game, he's going to be somewhere else. So, and we've got little activations that happen within the artwork. Um, you know, planes taking off from LAX, uh, kite surfers off of uh, Manhattan Beach, and uh, all kinds of other things, roller coasters, and all that stuff will be active, but it's going to be different each time. So there's different activations, uh, which will give fans a chance to come back and play over and over and over again and still have a great and different experience. I don't want to list too many of the details in the uh, in the mural because I want people to to be able to go and find them. But I will point out one um, that I saw that tickled me because I'm spent most of my life in Long Beach. I'm pretty sure I see the Queen Mary. On there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I was we pretty happy the, about that. We got the Queen Mary down there, and you know we tried to frame. Uh, different places of Los Angeles from, you know, up north in, in uh, you know, places in the valley, like around Universal Studios, Warner Brothers, um, those types of things, uh, Magic Mountain, um, you know, a bunch of different places and, and locations that people should be pretty familiar with. And uh, the Queen Mary is, is one of them. And that's one of the activations. So different things will happen as you, uh, as you scan these, um, you know, the 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 LA landscape uh, different things will activate and it'll be really fun. One tiny nitpick, if I may, <laughs> uh, of all the activations, most of there's a number of freeways represented. Yeah, uh, and uh, traffic is not moving on most of the freeways. There's one there's one area where traffic seems to be flowing just fine. Um, although I guess it's not technically. I'm looking at it right now for those listening who can't see me. I guess technically it's not a freeway; it's a normal street, so uh, maybe that's not so unrealistic. But what uh, what was the origin of this mural? Um, because it's like I said, it's packed with detail. Uh, you know, it was when we when we signed a deal with the Kings, we were looking to do something new and different that had never been done before. And so I sent my team off to ideate and didn't put any rules, restrictions or anything on it and said, come back with the coolest thing that you can think of and we'll take it to the Kings. Um, they did. The uh, We pitched it to the Kings and I don't think we got halfway through the meeting before they said, yes, this is awesome. We love it. The fans are going to love it. And, um, you know, it just goes to show what a great organization the Kings are. Um, super collaborative and willing to try new things. That's one of the things that I love most about them. And then after we kind of settled on this concept, we went out to find an artist and it couldn't just be any artist that, you know, we, we pulled off the street. We look for someone very specific and Nigel Sussman is uh, the artist and he's world renowned for his uh, artwork in this kind of genre um, it's very detailed. It's it's complex. It's crowded, and uh, it's amazing. And and he brought this entire thing to life. This is his vision of L.A. and the fun stuff that that people can do here. Now, my first impulse when I saw this was was oh, you you probably could do not a scavenger hunt, but you could do like a name all of the try and find as many details as many specific locations included in this mural as possible, because every time I look at it, I find another one. Um, but then I'm reading, you know, you guys provided me with some uh, advanced material, and it, I'm reading that you can you can place Bailey wherever you want, 
if you don't find him initially, there are secondary options to continue playing the game. That's actually something completely separate from where oh. Bailey. Sorry. Um, <laughs> where, uh, so Bailey will appear in different locations throughout LA. That's going to mm. be true class. And we, you know, in order to, to make the game fun and interesting, you know, over and over and over again, um, he will be appearing in different locations around LA. And when you find Bailey, um, you're going to be notified in the app and uh, it's going to say, congratulations, you found Bailey. Um, and then you'll have the opportunity to, to, uh, enter the sweepstakes. Um, and we're giving away a jersey and two tickets to a future game, um, at every game. So this is not something that's like over the course of the season, every game we're giving away that prize. And then everyone who plays and finds Bailey will also get, um, an email with a discount code for the team LA store. So everybody's a winner and uh, we're going to have one big winner um, every game. The other thing that you're talking about, we're calling here's Bailey. And that's for uh, fans all over Southern California. We've created a couple of uh, Instagram filters. And then, um, you know, we're the idea is that you're going to you're going to take these filters and you're going to put Bailey around L.A., your favorite places around L.A. Gotcha your landmarks and and then when you post that then we are going to to be able to see that and we're going to have a lot of surprise and delight gifts for um for people that play that version of the game and that can be anything from you know autograph pucks and sticks to jerseys to tickets to all kinds of things and so there's two ways to play with bailey and obviously king's fans and i'm a big king's fan myself you know we all love bailey and he's fantastic. And so this is a way for us to engage fans in the stadium, in their arena um, during games. And um, but then also for everyone who's not able to make it to the game, you can still have fun with Bailey and you can still put him around landmarks uh, um, around Southern California. And it's whatever is important to you as a fan. It could be in front of the training center. It could be at the beach, um, whatever you want. And it could be all over so, Long Beach. <laughs> it could be all over Long Beach. <laughs> Jesse, you can go to the Queen Mary Put Bailey on the front with you and uh, recreate the Titanic. <laughs> oh, perfect. perfect. Uh, as for you being a huge Kings fan, I was going to say, it almost looks like you're wearing a, one of our uh, polos. Uh, I am? Yeah, I thought oh, it would be. All right. right for, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, the interview? I should be wearing mine, but uh, I've got it on a, on a chair behind <laughs> later, me. In the hotel. <laughs> later, it's 15. you gotta, you got to save it for tonight. So you you mentioned a um a, a big prize at the end of the year. Uh, is there a does it build to it or is it um sorry I'm putting you on the spot here. I apologize, but but is there you know do, do every game somebody wins this? Do, is there like a drawing that one of the winners gets a, a larger prize at the end of the year? Or and if the answer is no, I'll just cut all this out. So no. <laughs> no, it's it's just um, every game there's okay. going to be you know a grand prize winner. Um, but it doesn't build to something at the end of the season. Um, like, you know, you will pick one winner and they'll own the team. The, uh, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, if Nigel wanted to make, uh, you know, if, if we want, if a, a different activation, activation may not be the right word, but like if let's say one, you know, the traffic on the 405 wanted to animate is, can the, can the mural be changed or is it pretty much set where it is now? Um, the, the mural, so we had, uh, Nigel did the mural and there's going to be a giant installation of this. Uh, it's mm-hmm. 10 feet by 20 feet. It's going to be on the main concourse, um, right next to the team LA store. 
Um, and, and you can, you can go and play, you open up your camera, um, and it's an augmented reality experience. So you can move your camera around and see all the things that we've just talked about. Um, it's really cool looking. It's bat lit. It's bright. It's, um, it's amazing. You're going to walk by it and there's no way you're going to miss it. And I think people are just going to love it because of the detail. Yeah. I mean, I could spend the rest, the, the rest of the day. Is there, is there anywhere? Sorry, I'm asking you a million questions that aren't fair. But is there a list of all of the uh, landmarks somewhere that, like, if I wanted to, I could check off and go, like, oh, there's, you know, there's this and there's that and there's the Queen Mary. Um, you know, that's that's the fun, I think, of a piece like this mm -hmm. is that there are so many different little things that you can see. Um, there's going to be the big things like the Queen Mary, but then there's a lot of little Easter eggs in there, too, that Nigel added, um, like, you know, one thing to look for. There's a dancing apple. There's a guy in a dancing apple uh, costume. And <laughs> so everybody look for the dancing apple, but things <laughs> like that. And, and like the, uh, um, the kite surfer off the, the, uh, um, the coast of Manhattan beach. <laughs> there's a couple of things that go along with that, that you'll notice as well. Um, so there's a lot of little fun Easter eggs and, and carrots like that, that I think people can have fun with while, you know, when you're, when you're looking at this thing, things are going to pop out to you. It's like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, this or that. And, you know, and you can talk about it with your friends and, and Angel's Flight Railway, Railway may be, um, you know, really important to you because you remember going there as a kid. <laughs> and um, it's something that, it's something that uh, everybody can have fun with. And whether you've grown up in LA, like I have, or um, you're new to LA, you can you can find new places to explore. There's something there's really something for everyone. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you joining me this morning. We uh we scheduled you extra early. I apologize for that. But no, uh, I'm I... in Colorado. So the, oh, uh, hey, you're fine. Uh, I'm I'm on the road too. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, I love this mural, and I love. I it feels wrong to call it a game, but I love puzzles, games like this. So uh, I'm excited to see what people do, not only with. Uh, Where's Bailey, but also with Here's Bailey. One other thing I should probably mm -hmm. mention. So not only can you play in front of the big mural um, that's on the concourse, you can play while you're sitting in your seat um, as well. And then uh, because there, there will be a uh, an initial activation here where one fan gets to search for Bailey, take the camera, search for Bailey in the crowd, um, which is the beginning of Where's Bailey. And, and one of the things that makes this very different is these activations become, uh, or, you know, the, a lot of in arena activations are for one person and they're fun, right? You know, someone gets to do something in the crowd and they win a prize. Um, whereas this one, one person gets to do, have this fun experience of finding Bailey using the, the TV camera. Um, and then everybody gets a chance to, uh, find Bailey through, um, a QR code that they can activate on their phones. Um, and then we've also set it up so that when you're waiting in concession stand lines, um, there's going to be a, uh, a sign at the beginning of the line with a QR code. And so when you're standing there waiting for your hot dog or soda or whatever, 15 minutes in line, now you can play this while you're standing in line as well. So it gives something, you know, people something to do while they're waiting for, for their soda and their hot dog. And, um, you know, so you can play in your seat. You can play while you're standing in line. You can go on the concourse and have the AR experience. Um, there's a lot of different ways to play and for people to, to engage with this. I'm pretty excited about that too. And this will have launched on the 20th, correct? Uh, yes, it is supposed to launch okay. tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, the, the, uh, 
Let's see, because yeah, the Kings play tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. yesterday by the time people hear this, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, it will uh, launch at tomorrow night's game. Excellent. Unforeseen problem. Yeah, well, knock wood. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Eric Thompson, enjoy Colorado, and thanks as always for joining us. <laughs> thanks so much. Appreciate it.